Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries. Featuring Dave AC, The Sixth Doctor, and Randall Thor. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries. Yes, we're about to embark. Uh, 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 we're about to embark. Uh, uh, um, hey, Ian. Uh, What's wrong, Ian? Chicken? <laughs> Nobody calls me chicken, especially uh, not Mike. Yeah, Mike doesn't call me chicken. Those spiders are cool. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of spiders. <laughs> oh, they creep me out. They creep me out. Well, Not as much as Dave, but they creep me out. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Oh, dear. Yes. Did, did I get the part, Ian? I mean, in the play. <laughs> I'm going to biff you one in a minute. <laughs> Just leave those puns alone, Dave. <laughs> okay. Next, ne- next thing you see, I'll be ten in your hide. Well, well, obviously the chicken jokes are too advanced for me. I'll stick to egg jokes for the rest of the show. <laughs> the yolk's on you. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yes. Well, <laughs> we're about to talk all over the top of another episode of Doctor Who. This one's called Kill the Moon or Kill the Egg. Which came first, the moon or the egg? Or the egg and the moon? It's an egg and moon race. <laughs> okay, that was really bad, that one. That was a really bad one, an egg and moon race. He's always wanted to moon on one of these podcasts, you know. <laughs> all right. Well, if everybody at home has their official egg... I mean, sorry, official copy of Kill the Moon at the Ready. We can begin. Gentlemen, are you ready? Indeed you do. I'm walking on eggshells, but I'm ready over here. <laughs> well, we should crack on then. <laughs> In five, four, three, two, one, play. Poach. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the Moon 2049. Bum, bum, bum. Is that crooked? What, the moon? No, the, the the thing that says the moon. Oh, the text, probably. This is unusual for for uh, the series as to a, a flash, showing a flash forward. That was a great show. Flash <laughs> forward. Yeah. Um, not. <laughs> it was great because it was terrible. Okay, so when I saw this part right here, this this teaser sequence, I, my, the, the first thing I thought of was 42. Mm. That episode of Doctor Who. Right. Oh, a lot of commonality, yeah. 100 uh, devices in range. Yep. Sorry. Well, we've got the egg time anyway. (laughs) Look, the TARDIS is falling into a Stephen Moffat plot hole. Where did it find one of those? They're everywhere. (laughs) Exactly. 
Very short teaser there because we were into the credits within a minute. Right. Yeah. It still annoys me that little. Hmm, psychic paper. We haven't seen Capaldi use the psychic paper, have we? I don't... Yes. Yeah, I used it we once. Have? Yeah. Oh, okay. When? I don't remember. Oh, the... Uh, the, the was it Time Heist? Yeah, he, used, he definitely... Yes. Uh, oh, no, it was... Where was it? He it, was has da- it? It, was the da- it was the Dalek one, wasn't it? When he showed it to the uh, the the soldiers. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Vortex manipulators. And I mean, we've had so many soldiers mentioned in these episodes. Just as well, we've got an egg to stick them in. <laughs> Looking lovely, absolutely lovely, the Charlie. Oh, I oh, thought you were going to be talking yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I was as soon as it went out. You were talking about Capaldi's shirt there, the doctor's shirt. God, her hair is just. Look at the way it swings around. All of those spots. Yes. See, it's kind of inconsistent, her behavior. She goes from being all like trying to please the doctor, you know, she's got cleaning stuff and, and all that. But then she goes into this kind of like, oh, you just said I'm not special. Well, he just confirmed it in front of her face. Oh. I mean, she flip-flops, but uh, that, that could be part of the whole personality thing, too, you know. Have you ever had a 15-year-old girl in your family? No. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> I know you've got a 15-year-old boy, but uh, different. <laughs> well, I mean, I've got nephews and... Well, I mean, I've got nieces and cousins and stuff, but... Although I have seen the comments about that scene right there. People wondering, what's the big deal about this? Does the doctor need to tell Courtney she's special? Uh, The comment I read was, well, apparently I'm wrong, and a teenager being told she's not special could have cataclysmic effects on her her personal development. But take that as you will. That's just comments that I've seen. Well, she's supposedly gone off the rails, hasn't she, in the last few weeks? Uh, Oh. And she's wearing her backpack on the space suit. Oh, yeah. And and apparently she's still carrying the cleaning supplies, which I don't know why. Well, it's like Batman. He always has the right equipment on his belt, doesn't he? True. If you're going to be dumped in acid, you've got to wear your acid suit. <laughs> oh. I like this like Yeah, <laughs> shoot a little girl first. Oh, uh. <laughs> well, maybe no twelve limit. He doesn't know that eggs comes in dozens. Uh, but I'm tish. That's a nice just position. Yeah. I just love that the the, the what's the, the light called? The Ah, never mind. Oh the yo yo. Fourth Doctor reference. Yes. I thought yo yos went down and up, but that's just me. 
Yeah, that's uh, like fluffy little clouds. Mm-hmm. On the screen, uh, Tony Osbar uh, playing the part of. Sorry, I've lost it. <laughs> playing the part of Duke. And uh, this is not his first time in, in Doctor Who. Uh, he played Lan in Destiny of the Daleks. And, uh, Cur- oh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Crosser, Dragonfire. Ah. Yeah. And he plays a good egg in this. Well, yeah. for, for the brief moment he's in the episode. Yeah. Well, was- he barely does anything. Turns the lights on, right? Yeah. Soon uh, enough, he'll be gone. Yep. But uh, uh, he's also been in uh, A Voice to Die For, uh, The Shadow Line, The Bill, Revolver, Dinotopia, uh, Waking the Dead, been an awful lot of stuff, Family Affairs, The Demon Headmaster, uh, Coronation Street, for quite a quite a long period, actually, as Peter Ingram. Now, I think. Uh, oh, I don't cut me off, lad! <laughs> don't cut me off. He's been in EastEnders, chicken. and he's also been in an episode of Casualty. Casualty. Ah, oh, all right. As I say, uh, we were told that uh, you shouldn't be able to see the stars when they're in the daylight side. Right. Shouldn't be able to see the stars because the, the 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 light should be blinding, really, at that point. Of course, in the in the moon, the the shadows are razor sharp. You you're either in the sun or in the shade, uh, and it's absolutely uh, highly defined between two degrees, two hundred degrees plus, and two hundred degrees below. Right. Well, for for those of you who uh, have not listened to the Golden Collective uh, podcast uh, from Sunday, uh, give it a listen. Uh, there's a, a list of. Uh, problems that our man Perry from uh, NASA had with uh, this episode. So uh, listen out for those. And also to take to, to take Darth's side for a moment. This is Doctor Who. We don't care about science. Scientific inaccuracies make the episode better because this isn't our universe. I don't side with that because the, all the scientific inaccuracies build up and they it's a, it's a complete breaking of the willing suspension of disbelief and it ruins the helps to ruin the episode because if you don't have that basic understanding of science then everything else just doesn't hold up and also uh, the, uh, my my, my well, point was during the show is especially there's one particular fact about that that's read, that's repeated you know, a couple of times about the moon if you're going to talk facts about the moon you know about how old do it is. Do basic research. Yeah, do your research, because there's kids watching, and they're going to say, "Well, the kids doctor can said, do the research." Yeah, the, the kids are going to say, "Well, the doctor said that the moon's this old." It's like it's not, unless this creature was around the earth ten hundred thousand years ago, hundred million years ago. That was the last egg laid. Yeah. But it, it's the complication of it being our moon. If you assume it's our universe, if it's our moon and an alternate universe. But wait, didn't I learn on an early episode of QI that Earth has two moons? <laughs> it's actually got um, lots of moons. Yeah. Uh, because anything that any celestial body that's orbiting um, this planet is a moon. So small chunks, you know, I don't think there's a size 
put upon uh, you know celestial bodies orbiting you know being moons. So you know if it's a small little rock, it's a moon. Yeah. So there's well, there could be lots of moons. Could be. Of course, um, man-made satellites are not considered moons because they yeah. are you know not celestial bodies. Okay. Oh, and earlier uh, on, when they had the mention that this was a, a Mexican mission that they're a ship that they're on, I was I, I even made a note to make a joke about wait was this a, was this funded by drug cartels and war <laughs> and crime lords? <laughs> uh, the drug wars in Mexico. Well, it's a bit unfortunate as well. They, they don't have too good a, rep, a reputation with uh, mining disasters as well. Mm. But uh, there you go. Uh, overnight figures for this, of course, it aired on the 4th of October. Overnight figures, uh, 4.82 million. Uh, AI index, uh, 82. Some may have thought it should have been higher. Didn't they, Mike? Hmm? Oh. You thought it was going to be a 90, this one. What, me? Nah. Um, he prefers to coddle his eggs at 82 degrees. <laughs> and we're already, would you believe, uh, 10 minutes and 50 seconds in. Fantastic. Still circular windows, even on the moon. Wrong. Yeah. Well, he got he got the stars wrong at the end of last last week's episode, didn't he? Where he said uh, uh, a million stars, a hundred million planets. It should have been a billion stars. But that might have been the act getting the the dialogue wrong there. Lanzarotti, of course, here, I believe, Ian. Yes. Yes. Uh, Doctor Who production team returns to Lanzarotti. Uh, we were, of course, last there during Planet of Fire. Uh, which saw the demise yet again of the master <laughs> and uh, the departure of Turlo. Uh, but yes, Lanzarote doubling for the moon, which explains why it's quite uh, why it's um, a lot rockier than it should be, seeing as it's the moon. There's not enough dusty particulate. There's a, there was a line earlier. Somebody on Twitter was mentioning this about. Courtney being the first woman on the moon. Now, I, I know Martha didn't exactly walk on the moon, but she was on the moon in part. Now, Smith and Jones, mm. when the whole True. hospital was transported up to the moon. Yes. Her, a hospital and a Jadoon platoon on the moon. Yep. According to um, the um, me just going on to Google for like two seconds, uh, the moon is 4.527 billion years old. Wow, that was surprisingly easy. I <laughs> Lazy time, writers. I could have taken time out of writing a script to do that. <laughs> Sorry. But the spider well, that, is... That's how, all, that, that's how all the rocks are, but we're not sure that it was captured by Earth that uh, that far long ago. Hmm, I see what there you is mean. This, there you're, is you're... this belief that uh, a planetoid mashed, smashed into the Earth and no. debris was thrown up and that ended up condensing into the moon. But the rocks were of that age, but the actual formation of the moon might have been 
uh, quite a bit later, but more than a hundred million years ago, probably, you know, oh, quite frightening this one. I, I mean, after all the scary episodes we were promised, and this one, poof, we're at the thing in the Antarctic type of. Uh, oh, when I say run, run. <laughs> when I say your eggs runny, your eggs runny. And all this, all this talking about effects of the moon, I completely missed Phil Neese, who is uh, playing Henry, who's already been devoured. We'll see his skull later. Mm. But uh, Phil's been in the series uh, Hepburn, uh, Citizen Khan. He. Uh, was in Torchwood, uh, the New World uh, uh, episode, of the New World from Miracle Day, as a male uh, hiker. He was also probably a... why I don't remember that because of Miracle Day. Yeah, Miracle Day. What do you do? Creepy in parts, let down in other parts. A certain creepy character. Don't try that at home. <laughs> well, look at the size of that <laughs> thing, Doctor. It's the size of a badger. <laughs> I like that bit. Oh. Stable mass, yes. Hmm. I think you're very stable, Ian. You're all right. <laughs> and it's time to talk about uh, Lundvik, uh, played by Hermione Norris. Can I go home now, miss? Yeah, it's that easy. Sorry, <laughs> but Hermione Norris has uh, been seen in uh, the in the club, uh, the Crimson Field. She was good in that. Of course, that's where I know her from. She was an outcast. Yeah, <sighs> she was the doctor or something, wasn't she? In that, yeah, she was uh, Stella Isson. Good in that as well. Yeah. Yep. That was a good, good show. It was just started getting good when I cancelled it. Yeah. She's also been in Kingdom as uh, Beatrice Kingdom. Uh, Wire in the Blood, Cold Feet. Yeah. The the Outcast had uh, Daniel Mays from uh, Ashes to Ashes in it, and of yeah. course Liam Cunningham. Liam Cunningham was in um, was he The Doctor's Daughter. Uh, no, Liam Cunningham was in. Uh... Oh no, the the submarine one. It was the yes. submarine. Yes, he was the submarine uh, captain. And uh, uh, um, um, ha ha. From the scene now. What did you say his name was? Liam. No, Liam Cunningham. The other, the other one. Um, Maze. Maze. He Daniel was in. Mays. He was in. Uh, he's been in, Do- in Doctor Who and all. Um, 
He was in uh, the episode... Night Terrors. That's it. Night Terrors. Yes, but indeed, he was an outcast as well as Cass Cromwell. Okay, I don't like that bit, bit of acting right there. The way the Doctor t- turns his back on Clara. That Who does that? First of all, who does that in, in, in conversation like that? And second of all, Capaldi, his, he could have acted a, a good a, a good response to her arg- argument more than just that silly pl- writing device of turning and turning and ignoring he could have acted a better re- had a better reaction capaldi is better than that sort of writing that's an example of problems oh. that i have with the writing direction for this doctor you see i totally disagree there because i think he he, he turned away so she couldn't see that the the doctor genuinely wasn't seeing what was happening at this point of flux we the audience see that he's confused and doesn't definitively know. We know he's not lying to her. He's not, he's not sort of got a face of, uh, well, I'll tell her this. You can see on his face that he's trying to reach for what the situation is, and he can't. He knows it's a point of flux. So I, I think it absolutely really does work. I mean, uh, it has been overused by different directors. Gosh, if you ever watched uh, Smallville, um, uh, Lex Luthor was doing it all the time but um, in this I thought that worked really well and the same thing happens on the beach where things fall back into place for him we're not too sure why the cobwebs are there are we right. uh... well because they look like spiders so you're going to have cobwebs yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose it's the great intelligence. The great intelligence is returning. No, it's just David. You here? Ah. Be careful! Be careful, Doctor. You might be in a pickle if you go down there. Oh. No. Neither will amniotic fluid. Oh, sorry. What? At least you got Science. that bit right, though. Yeah, but then they blow it all in about five minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's creepy. That is a creepy. It is. Those are really cool spiders. Now, what they're feeding on, I don't know. Presumably, with that amniotic fluid that's leaking out, they're feeding on. Green screens are cool. <laughs> the only thing I, the only way I can explain it is that there's a small membrane, a thin membrane, that the that the yo-yo went through. Right. And then when it came back out, it's self-sealed. That's a dumb move, Doctor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. If the moon's gravity was as we think, at one-fifth, one-sixth, it would have been safe. But jumping yeah. down on almost normal gravity. Mm-hmm. Still, it's cool. We're in space. We're in the future. Oh, sorry. Someone doesn't know how to, how to write teenagers, do they? I just said she we're was... in space. We're in the future. And she's born. No. Yeah, she oh. was. She was afraid for her. She was terrified in, in in that previous scene when she was before she was led to the TARDIS, and now she's bored and posting that, on Tumblr. That's what I mean. That's it, just this is, this is a poor writing. Her attitudes to to things. 
Yeah, the, was, the writing of that character, that the, the, this person doesn't understand teenagers. Right. Does anybody? <laughs> True. But the, that's just a very, very poor writing of a character. Is that the other Dave there in that suit, Ian? <laughs> the one that turned out the lights? Yeah. Hey, who turned, turned out the lights? lights? I mean, I understand that. It, I mean, it has. I just wonder if it be, would have been possible to do all of this on green screen rather than um, than using Lanzarote, because unfortunately, the more you know about the, the location, you see the, the the rocks and behind them, you can see like the lava kind of formation, you know, where it's you know flowed and then solidified, and you know, it's like it doesn't look like the moon. Yeah. At least what we've seen of the moon. Granted, we've never ever been there. It could be an egg for all we know. There's an entire half of the moon that we can't see from the Earth. Oh. And you also there are flat areas of the moon where the you know the seas of tranquility and all that that look as though there's been some sort of lava flow. I mean, there has been a volcanic activity on the moon, right? Right in its early time, but it's, it's. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I'm just going to break in here because the Doctor was only kind of irked by by Courtney posting stuff on Tumblr. Isn't that, wasn't the, the very similar similar reason, not posting to Tumblr, but just passing information to, I guess, her own time. Wasn't that the same reason the Ninth Doctor kicked Adam out of the TARDIS? Yeah. And well, you the should Doctor doesn't care well. here. Yeah. It's this, sort of the same thing, and the Doctor doesn't care. He's just sort of kind of mildly annoyed. You're putting my picture on. And it what? doesn't, it's, it's, it doesn't, Match oh, up. No, no, he's got he's in a different regeneration here. I mean, he has a different True. attitude to different things. But it's the same thing, basically, passing information from the future to her own time. And what I don't understand is how it's possible for her to post stuff on Tumblr in her on own whole... time while she's in the TARDIS, because the TARDIS is in this time zone. Yeah, the Doctor hasn't hasn't done his sonic screwdriver magic on the. On, the, on that particular cell phone, like that he did seen. with Rose's and Martha's, and I right. think Donna's. And here we are at uh, 23 minutes, 36 seconds, and this is where the hard, well, I lose the term loosely, the hard science fiction, the first part, switches over into this, um, what the, uh, um, um, Bollocks. <laughs> well, we're going into something completely different now. And that going was something to, completely different. Yeah, we're going to something that's not normally ever in Doctor Who, or ever in Doctor Who that I could ever think Whoa. of. And that, something that I wouldn't actually think of as Doctor Who material. Not a territory I think Doctor Who would go. Well, the Christmas star was in, buried inside the Earth. So, no, it? and I'm talking about the, the very blatant message that we have going on. Coming oh. up in the next in the next bit, but uh, yeah, we have a dragon creature, and we had mentioned on the the science of how does the moon, how does the creature turning all of that em embryonic fluid to con converting that, yeah. how does that add to the mass? That it doesn't mean that's that, not that. No, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. No. But I like that juxtaposition of him saying it's wonderful and she says, how do we kill it? Right. You see, that's something from the Doctor. His The Doctor thinks that it's wonderful. 
that's something that it's kind of been missing from Doctor Who since Moffat took over. I remember back in the in the Davies era, whenever the a lot of times when the Doctor saw a new alien, like David Tennant, the Doctor would react in fascination, talk about aren't how you, beautiful. Aren't you gorgeous? It was. Aren't you beautiful? Like, like the 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 werewolf in Tooth and Claw, or even the clockwork droid in yeah. the fireplace. You beauty. We it's that 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 Marvel from the Doctor. We've been we've been missing that. We don't we even had that a lot in Moffat we era. Had, we had a couple of moments with 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 Matt Smith's well, Doctor, Matt Smith, but, yeah. but the, overall, not, it's just not been, not been that fascination in Marvel with new life forms. Right. To 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 address um, Darth's comment of like how it doesn't really matter whether the science is right or wrong, it Actually, does. It does because yeah. it's lazy. It would be easy. Agreed to get it right it would be easy to come up with an explanation as to why the mass of the moon changed because the 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 egg type that this is it sucks matter in from the universe and and feeds the 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 chicken side easy done just get, I, either that or use some sort of magical realism by not doing that it's lazy writing and it it's just assuming the audience won't care and that again that's lazy writing yeah. I, I think a lot of it though was also pragmatic basically they didn't want to go to the expense of having them all on wires for the whole of the show they wanted to look walking as though there was normal gravity the the normal gravity wouldn't be that on the moon so they had to sort of you know gobbledygook the gravity well, they to fit there, there walking other, on it. Yeah, there are other writing shortcuts they could use. They could say, oh, they have slightly magnetic boots or something. Right. That would have like, worked. Or some sort of anti-gravity. The, the, the anti-grav is still on. Or the, the, the artificial gravity is still online. Stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a way of explaining the, 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 the dragon creature, you know, how it managed to do that. You know, that you could and, come up with a simple explanation for it. That was still sci-fi and and took care of everything yeah. in a very quick explanation, but you, but they did bother. Yeah, the, and the the bottom line that I'm getting from our discussion here is this failure to realize these basic science principles. They break the will our willing suspension of disbelief and already start to ruin the episode for us. We start right. questioning these things. We're no longer we're taken out of the story. We're discussing. Hey, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't add up. This doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Right. We're not paying attention to the story as much. We're now focused on this. Uh, well, I, I, I will give you that in some extent, because that exactly did happen to me with Rings of Akatan. But for some reason, the dilemma here brought me back in and wound me back in. So no, uh, certainly by the end. It didn't for me, because we have this whole silly thing, preposterous thing of the the, the egg, the, the moon being an egg, which just is just, even in Doctor Who terms, it's silly. Well, yeah, but in fantasy, if you've read, you know, about uh, Anne McCaffrey and, uh, you know, Dragon Riders of Pern and uh, and lots of other science fiction where they've had, I mean, uh, even in, um, you mentioned 42, we had, uh, you know, the, uh, oh, yeah, the, the living demon, matter demon from the sun. And, yeah. Um, there are lots of cases where we've had, <clears throat> I mean, that was the thing about the, the thing is the, the Akatan one I just didn't like. With the uh, you know the um, the face on the uh, the sun didn't like that at all. But for for some reason this story pulled me around. 
The, the thing with Rings of Akatan, and I think gives it a pass on science, is that it takes place somewhere completely different. Ah, good point. Yeah. That is a good point. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, we don't know where this place is. We don't know what the, the, the laws of, you know, science say in this area. You know, you can get away with it. But this is our, this is next door. You know, this is our home that they're talking about, our moon. You yeah. know, and to, 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 to not bother, you know. Handy. Yeah. <laughs> Very convenient. Yes. Well, I, do, I do agree with you from the Ian from Colton from Live Show. Her, that Hermione, her acting and this character writing could have been so much more. Yeah. I was bored by the by this character. And as I kept referring to her on Colton Live Show, astronaut what's her name? Because even at this point I'd forgotten what her name was. Yeah. At what point did she actually mention her name? Because I don't remember. See on the, the the story that I keep comparing this to, Waters of Mars, I remember Adelaide Brooke. I remember that character's name because she was such a well written and acted character. Mm-hmm. But this this woman is gone off on a suicide mission. I mean, the other one was uh, the captain of a thriving uh, colony, the first colony on Mars, and she had all these people under her wing and she was, you know, a person where humanity was striving and, and, and going out into the universe. This one is a woman that's come from a, a society that's given up in a 10, 20, 30-year-old spaceship mm. out of a museum, a one-way mission. She's taking um two astronauts with a one that's um, got Alzheimer's disease, both now dead. Uh, she's got one mission and then that's it. What I don't understand is that earlier on, she was like sad about the, the, the one astronaut that died and said, Oh, she just had a, he just had a granddaughter. And this is like, he was on a suicide mission. Why are he you sad? The, because <laughs> he was the one, she said the line, the line was there. He taught me how to fly. She says, Right, but they they were going there to die anyway. <laughs> Why be sad? Your but, the whole point of the mission was to die. No, but she had an emotional connection with that man. I know, but it was just like it was one of those things. It's like why bring up about his his granddaughter? I mean, what what difference does it make? You were, you know, because they're going there to save his damn daughter. I know, this but is it's a suicide for them, not suicide for Earth. I know. Oh, in case you're wondering about the. I I checked where, at what point Waters of Mars takes place. That takes place in 2059. This place, this story takes place in 2049. So the Waters of Mars is just ten years from this episode in in the in the timeline. So ten years from now, in the, in the Doctor Who timeline, Earth has their first base on Mars. There you go. And this is probably the reason why. Yeah. And on the screen right now is uh, Christopher Dane playing. Uh, McKean with the bad hair. Still don't understand that line. But hey, whatever. Yeah. Uh, well. But he's, uh, but he's, uh, he got some, uh, a bunch of things in, in the, in the pipeline. He just completed work on echoes of the void, uh, playing Adam. Uh, he's currently filming the four warriors as Richard and in pre-production for dead trust as DC Mickey Payne. Uh, but he's a, uh, Total War, Rome 2. He was the voice of the barbarian officer. 
He's been in uh, Riot, Out of the Woods, Washed Up. Actually came into acting kind of late. Uh, came into acting in, in, in 2004. Um, spent 15 years in advertising before um, he gave in the desire to become a professional actor. And trained at the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. Uh, yeah, I wanted to jump in there. When you saw Earth, wasn't the United States were over? It was Europe and UK. <laughs> yeah, if anybody's going to be in peril, the, the aliens are coming from the UK. And, and Oh, no, I don't want that. <laughs> should have been in America. <laughs> well, there's, there's one little... reaction to the scene right here of Claire's problem with, uh, you know, killing this creature to save the Earth. I've already seen the reaction. If, if you're ever in a position where the choice is to kill one innocent or risk the entire human race... You kill the innocent. You can't risk a whole planet. That's one reaction I've seen. But of course, that's the whole dilemma here. Yep. Yeah, she's just running through my wallpaper now. Oh, hey, slow motion. <laughs> slow motion. We need a slow motion run. Oh, you got to have a slow motion with a heroine. Well, if you take heroin, it'll all go in slow motion. Yes, because all you need is a pair of binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no telescope. I mean, to get a decent shot of the moon, you need a telescope. <laughs> but she can see, she well, can the, see the, Earth through some binoculars. Well, the, uh, Earth is a lot bigger than the moon. <laughs> and she's looking at the lights, not the features. It's just the view that they show you. It's just like, okay. Sure. You know, it's that Florida will last to turn the lights out. Yeah, it's well, they're all... <laughs> it takes a while. Senior citizens. Well, what bugs me about the, the whole turn your lights out thing is it's so easy for the government of each country to just go, fine, you know, and take the decision out of, you mm, know, yeah, yeah. The, the human race's hands. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that all, of, all of humanity is spoken. It Did you, the do you get it hands. yet? Do you yeah. get the message? That it said aborted. Do you yeah. get it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I know what you're getting at. But it's late-term abortion. So. Very late-term. And that's why I also think that the TARDIS was there all the time. I did, you did hear the sounds. I got that wrong before. But uh, I think he's just he's gone out of phase there. He was there watching all the time. Hang on. How can we hear that? Exactly. You know, shouldn't... It is. It hits the atmosphere so many minutes later, hours later, but not. And even assuming we could hear that, it wouldn't be synced like that. No, it wouldn't. It'd be hours later. Yeah. Yeah. And then something that was came out of the size of that egg manages to lay something exactly the same size. And apparently Courtney's the only one to see it. The doctor should pay for her therapy. <laughs> How could it possibly? That must have been painful for that creature. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, see, this scene mirrors the one you were talking about before. It turns away as as the thing coalesced back into his brain. His, his Swiss cheese brain comes back here. Well, he they're peels... not, the difference here is that they're, they're not in the middle of a, dis, of a discussion. 
they're not in the middle of a maybe an argument or whatever. That's the difference. That's what was going on there. And just the doctor not the acting choice, that writing choice, whatever of the doctor turning his back to to ignore the seriousness. Capaldi's capable of better acting. That's my complaint. Well, I know it would have been a direction that surely not yeah. acting turn away. Which but is I thought why. it worked. Yeah, I thought it really worked. But I have to agree with Mike that that, that so far we have not seen that 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 moment for the Doctor, yeah, the, the defining is, thing. Yeah, which is odd because we're already halfway through the series through the series, right. and even. Eccleston had one series. We knew definitively his character, his personality, def- definitely by the seventh episode. Right. I mean, we know certain things about this doctor, but it's like, yeah. like Tennant had, I mean, to me, Tennant had, you know, the, uh, you know, throwing the, the, the orange against the, the, the Setsuma moment. He had the Setsuma moment. That defined that character right then and there. You knew what he was about. Mm-hmm. You know, this new but, hand is a fighting hand. But, but but if the whole point about this series is that it's the 50th anniversary, it's a new set of regenerations. We're going back to Colin's school. We're going back to a teacher traveling with him. We're going back to the origin. We're going back to an unknown doctor. He's supposed to be an unknown doctor, and more you know, alien. But, but we're, we're talking about a, a, a defining moment that just basically says, this is the doctor and this is this kind, this is the kind of man or, or the kind of character he is. Uh, we don't even have a theme for this doctor. It just seems no. like there's something. Really? Am I a good missing? man? The theme was set right at the beginning. Musical, musical theme. And also, I'll ask a trivia question to the to the both of you. Do either of you remember the marketing slogan that the BBC used leading up to Deep Breath premiere? Do you remember the tagline the BBC were using to to market this new series? Nope. The, the catchphrase, what the, the marketing slogan was. You will know it's him. The doc- yeah, it's the Doctor. It's time you get to know him. It's time you get to know him, right. We're seven episodes in. I don't feel as if I've met him. If, if we're going, I feel as if we're, we're being thrust into these adventures without a proper introduction. So It's not that Capaldi's not any good. He's yeah, he's, he's great. It's just the writing isn't there. Yeah. We haven't been showing this Doctor yet, I don't think. Yeah. I don't know whether that's deliberate. You think we're being kept in suspenders, do you? Um, part of me would like to think that. Yeah, you know, because hate then that, that makes we, sense. It, and if and if we are, I hate that we are. I hate that we haven't been given an introduction earlier on. It's that's just a bad writing choice, especially at this point when you have a new actor, which was so controversial among the fan base. Oh, he's too old. He's not a cute young actor and people already willing to, t- to turn off, but not because of the acting, the ca- the casting choice, the doctor, but because Moffat is still hanging around. And if you have this sort of thing going on, I wonder if the, the audience is diminishing. And Are you joking? We have this, this is one of the best scenes in the whole bloody series just coming up now. Oh, this I and have this problems like... with too. But that's because of Clara. Yeah, well, that's the have... only reason why this is a brilliant scene. It's because of the oh, way well, she My acts problem this. with this scene is because of Clara. She's acting entitled. The Doctor doesn't have to take her on these adventures. And frankly, he'd be better off without her. So she's acting a little entitled. 
No, I, I disagree. She's he's tested her too many times. He's tested her in deep breath when he left her in the room. He's tested her time time but again, the, and yeah, it's still not. Yeah, the point I'm getting at is the Doctor doesn't owe her these adventures. The Doctor doesn't have to take her on these adventures. He can leave her behind if he wants. But I thought you were complaining when he left them to make the decision uh, about the choice of whether to kill the creature or not. And now you're saying he doesn't have to... No, I'm talking about the Doctor taking... This is about whether or not the Doctor takes Clara on on additional adventures. Whether the Clara stays with the Doctor or goes, that's what this whole argument is about. Whether the doc, whether Clara well, stays or goes. Yeah, I think. To and me, she, this she, is she, a... she, she, she feels as if he owes her these adventures. No, I think this is a, a Tegan moment done properly. And the whole line, you go away. Well, the doctor, he could easily do that. I think it's very powerful. It is a great scene. It's well played by her. Not well acted by... Well, I I, I say not well acted by Capaldi, but that's because his. I guess the stage directions weren't there to give more of a reaction. He was just sort of, I don't know, blank-faced. More of a reaction would have by the direct the more of an acting direction there would have been nice. But here I am nitpicking behind the scenes. Where's that nice clear blackboard that we had that one time? Hmm? Uh, the fiftieth oh, anniversary. Yeah, we had that nice start of the day of the doctor. That was a different classroom entirely. Yeah. This is a smaller classroom. This is a much smaller classroom. Talking about slow development, his his character's been very slow burn, hasn't it? Mm. Very slow burn. Uh, the thing that bothered me is, is, is last week's episode where we didn't get enough. <laughs> it's actually the smaller episode, the smaller appearances that we get where we get more information about Danny Pink than we than we did in you know in the episode where he featured quite heavily. Yeah, it's certainly peeling back the shell, you know, or. Uh... BNP again. Uh, Love this. Sorry. Really <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if it's just me or Denny didn't seem too interested in where in where Clara had been. <laughs> oh, drink. Yeah. Did you yeah? Did you notice by the way the two pictures behind of them? Well, one was the shard which she's going up in a motorbike, and the other was the 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 uh, the the wheel that the ninth Doctor never noticed behind him. Um, the fer- the big super fer- Sorry. Oh. Next time. There's our guest star in the episode. Foxes. I wonder if Tom Hanks is in this. (laughs) Apparently the BBC had said that the mummy was too scary to put in the trailers. Well, Frank Skinner, I think. There we go. Actually, as, as I said, drink. Um, uh, we had to wait a long time for a drink moment. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I was drinking, or I'm, I'm almost done with uh, Jacqueline Bayhew, uh, Carte Blanche, Sauvignon Blanc, Sonoma Valley 2013.
18 naked wines wine and quite nice it is too although it's nicer on first open because it's a lot sweeter but hey and i'm surprisingly not drinking an egg flip I'm drinking a, a Ligar, a Cabernet Sauvignon 2012 Chilean wine from Naked Wines. Right. You're drinking anything. Ah, get out. Um, no, uh, um, I think we'll, we're, we're going to look on look back on this as probably one of our um, best commentaries because it's the one where we've been the most um, polarized by this episode. Uh, interesting for such a and this, I guess, this begins the start of my review. Um, we've we argued so much during this 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 one episode, which is just a basic little adventure, really. When you think about it, when you break it down to its 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 core components, Doctor and companions go to the moon, uh, defeat some bugs, and the moon turns into an egg. Uh, you know, we've first seen it all before. Um, <laughs> But no, the, the the arguments that we had during this episode were were, were fascinating and, and great. Um, <laughs> I kind of I kind of like this episode a lot more now because it made us talk uh, more about the episode and more about the content of it rather than you know who's in it, uh, what the ratings were, and anything like that. We we actually got down to the nitty gritties of 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 the core components of this episode, which. Uh, on the outside, it's a great little adventure. It's a fun little romp, uh, worthy of a Christmas episode. Uh, but scratch the surface, and you come up with problems. My big problems are, um, as as Mike would say, lazy writing. Uh, it would be so easy to come up with an explanation as to why the weight of the moon changed, why the gravity on the moon changed, because. Uh, this creature, this egg, feeds on cosmic particles, and as the um, the embryo develops, it it you know it it brings in outside material. Easy done. See, I just did it, and I'm not a writer. There would have been a way to explain it, rather than just saying, "Well, you know, as this creature grows inside, that's what's." doing this no because that's not how an egg works yeah unless you explain it away and you didn't and you got the age of the moon wrong i googled it and found out what the age of the moon is it's that simple um i don't care if it's a science fiction program but if you're talking about our neighborhood it's like saying the united states of america in their in present day and you know having a different president or or uh, saying it's the the prime minister of the united states it's wrong it's a wrong fact because you're setting it on our earth um if you set it you know the the fourth moon of of, of praxis yes i know praxis i said praxis uh then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it's a prime minister, a, you know, a president, a, a head flongbing. It doesn't matter. But when you're talking about our neck of the woods, at least do us the courtesy of, of putting in some, some facts about the moon. Um, that's all we ask for. Uh, good good performances from, uh, from you know, our core cast, of course. Um, great performance from... from um, um, from Clara, you know, especially that last speech. Uh, some inconsistencies with um, 
Oh, what's her name? Somebody help me. The teenager. Courtney. Courtney. That's it. Some inconsistencies with Courtney that I didn't get. It was almost as if they flip-flopped back and forth between scared and, and hurt and, you know, this this bravado and, and you know, street kid. Yeah, uh, cred. Street cred kid. There you go. <laughs> Ace-ish. Um, you know, it just flip-flops around. And, and the rest of the cast were... Unfortunately, because I, I like to think that if I was in Doctor, if I got a part in Doctor Who, albeit small, it would be at least a bit memorable. Um, unfortunately, none of the none of the supporting cast were, even Hermione. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it took looking at an Internet Movie Database for me to go, oh, that's where I've seen her before. Um, I didn't even recognize her in this, you know, and she acted so well in, in Outcast, so. Um. Yeah, it's it's good if you just switch off everything and, and, and sit there and watch it. It's a great little episode to, I, I guess, to introduce people to the, to Doctor Who, as as Ken said on on the Cultum Collective on on Sunday, uh, because it's a good little adventure. There was even a little music sting in there that made me even think of classic Doctor Who. Um, you know, it, it, it reminded me a bit of. Uh, well, a bunch of stories, really, where you've got the the, the monster, you know, that's it's just a monster. It doesn't it doesn't have any intelligence or anything. It's just going around and biting people or whatever. That's creepy and fun, and it's Doctor Who. Uh, so yeah, some real good stuff to like, and then some stuff to just annoy the hell out of me. So uh, next, I'm going to go with Mike. All right. Well. You noticed you mentioned um, classic Doctor Who references. In the Doctor Who magazine issue leading up to the the start of this new series, there were some producer notes and direction notes from uh, Stephen Moffat talking about different episodes of the series. And for this episode in particular, Kill the Moon, uh, the the writer for this episode, Peter Harness, was told to hinchcliffe the bleep out of this episode. Uh, Philip... (laughs) Philip Hinchcliffe is who we're referring to, of course, and you look back on his his scarier, I guess, era of Doctor Who, and you see, you can, I guess you, you can see the those elements here in this episode. Uh, Peter Harness did a good job making it creepy with the with the, with the spiders. Uh, I'll just mention Peter Harness. I mentioned this on the, on the live show, but in this in this last half of Doctor Who, it it's an interesting structure to the ser- of the series in terms of writers. The first half of the series, we had well established writers on Doctor Who people people who have at least written one story for Doctor Who before Pe- Doctor Who veteran writers. This last half of the series, however, we're going with entirely new writers, people who have not written for Doctor Who before. We have Peter Peter Harness writing this episode. Uh, what just at, at a glance, other things that he's written. He's he's written uh, TV movie heist, heist, two episodes of City of Vice, episodes of Ten Sixty Six, Wallander, Case Histories, and this one episode of Doctor Who. Uh, other writers that we have coming up for this last half are uh, Jamie Math- Mathiason, who's writing two episodes in a row next week and the week after, and then Frank Cottrell Boyce is writing the uh, episode just before the two part finale. Uh, Cottrell Boyce. Of- I'll mention him when we get to Ed's episode, but he wrote the uh, opening ceremony for the London recent L- London Olympic uh, Games. 
and he's now writing for Doctor Who. But this episode right here, I I mentioned a lot of this that I'm going to mention in my review. I I picked up on as we were doing the the review, and uh, and uh, and we had d- debates on all of these different elements here. J- the the writing of Courtney, we had Ian mentioning how how inconsistent that character is, and not just from other from her previous appearances, but in this episode alone, the. Uh, the writer for this episode, Harness, he apparently doesn't know teenagers that well. Uh, just the way she goes from being terrified out in the ship, and once she's in the TARDIS, she becomes bored and posts on Facebook. It's just that, I, that that's not real. That's not realistic. That's not. I would that that you go from a terrifying experience to oh, I'm bored. I'll post on Tumblr. Uh, and all of that, and I mentioned the inconsistency with with Adam and the, the Ninth Doctor. How that got Adam kicked out of the TARDIS and left behind permanently and forgotten about, because he sent future information back to the present. And uh, just something else that I, that I didn't have a chance to mention on the, during the commentary: uh, the, the the astronaut. I see. I've already Lund, Lundvisk or whatever her name is. Ludvisk. I don't know. Uh, she mentioned that her grandmother posted on Tumblr. I found that such a bizarre comment. So how old how old are we guessing this character to be in this episode? 50, let's say? Uh, so this is 2049, going back 30 years, 34, 35 years to, to our time. That would put her in her 20s. Um, I guess prime demographic of Tumblr users nowadays. Her grandmother posted on Tumblr? I just don't see that. That's just odd. Her grandmother posting on Tumblr. I I, I found that bizarre. <laughs> that may just be me. And it, I don't know. I don't like Tumblr to begin with. But that's neither here nor there. So Courtney, she was inconsistently written. Um, the whole thing with the, the science. Of course, the science in this episode was all over the place. And uh, that's... As I was saying during our debates in this episode, if you have science that's easily researched, easily fixed, just proofread, copy edited, have someone say, oh, that doesn't make sense, actually. The moon isn't that old. You can't add mass that way. It doesn't work. It breaks your willing suspension of disbelief. You start discussing this. You start thinking more about this in the episode, and it just falls apart because you're taken out of the story by easy failures of science just things that are easily researched it's lazy writing when you just expect people to overlook this stuff and still keep watching and you saw the problems that it caused for the three of us imagine just a general audience watching thinking oh that doesn't make sense so this which Science plays such a huge role. And yes, I know Darth pointed out on our live show that this is Doctor Who. The science doesn't have to make sense. In fact, it's better that the science doesn't, because this is the Doctor Who universe. Anything could happen. I don't like that, because if this basic science doesn't check out, then I can't enjoy the episode. And that leads us to things like a a dragon creature hatching out of an egg, and then laying a new egg that's larger than it is. How... How, 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 and ow, and ouch. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, the Doctor, I mentioned the, the parallels, the differences with Waters and Mars. The Doctor stepping away and letting things run their course. 
in this episode compared with in Waters of Mars, the Doctor had the whole moral dilemma with he knew it was a fixed point with the, with the bully base incident. Did he step away? Did he interfere? That was the crux of that episode. That was the moral dilemma. And this one, it's it just it doesn't work because we're as the audience, the complex, the moral complexity of that is undone because we, as the audience, already know the outcome of this. We 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 know that like the, the the correct moral decision. So all of this moral back and forth is just sort of, it's just sort of extraneous here. And I don't I don't know if if you if you it, just this whole thing in previous Doctor Who you have. Alien creatures threatening the Earth. Don't destroy the alien. And here we have just one alien creature apparently threatening to destroy the entire Earth. And just it destroy the alien. And then we get into this whole thing that, yeah, this whole message, this whole, this blatantly on the cover of this. And is that, it's that odd moment where, oh, look where Doctor Who is going. Um, okay, I wasn't expecting that at all. So be that as it may. Uh, the whole I mentioned the whole thing at the, at the and then we got to the the, the end the TARDIS the, the Clara berating the Doctor and this gets to what I don't like about one thing enough just one of many things I don't like about this series Clara so angry at the Doctor I still think she's the whole the whole scene reeked of her being entitled expecting the Doctor yeah you have to take me on these adventures the Doctor could easily say no and go on his own way and have probably more exciting and interesting adventures without her with a new companion but no the Doctor doesn't have to do anything with you Clara so that that was prob I just didn't like that scene and then Danny we had the scene at the end with Danny I don't know his he he he's an, he has some interesting elements to that character. There's some interesting elements to that character, like the scene in Caretaker where he stood up to the Doctor. That was an interesting scene. But his he just didn't seem that interested in where Clara had been and what she had done. And uh, okay, sure that that makes sense. Your lack of interest. But so what I'm getting to there with the, with the Doctor. So we have that questioning with, with the Doctor. What what the doctor's motive is what and i mentioned this in the episode we have we had the uh astronaut lundfisk whatever her name was calling the doctor a prat we had clara yelling at the doctor and we get this i i stand by, by this even after even after ken's and i think dave's response to this we had we're seven episodes in and we're still not sure who this doctor is and we're led we're led more to believe that he's kind of a villain kind of a villain in in this series, he's he's a rude character. He's he's not a likable character. And when you have the Doctor and Doctor Who being unlikable, especially this early into a new incarnation, I'm wondering how the audience is reacting. Are they siding with these insults to the Doctor? Oh, he's a terrible character. He's unlikable. He's rude. Sure, yeah, I agree. We're supposed to like the Doctor, aren't we? I think. It's Doctor Who. We're supposed to think the Doctor is a great character. He's a wonderful Time Lord. He's he's um, he's an amazing character. But so far in the series with the Capaldi version, are we supposed to not like him? Are we supposed to buy into this? Yeah, he's a prat. Yeah, he's rude. Yeah, I don't like him. And how that it, it, running so many episodes continuously with that? How does that affect the audience? How how long before people start tuning out and giving up and moving on? And leaving Doctor Who behind because uh, the writing just isn't there. 
So this episode, it continues a downhill trend for me. I like Capaldi as the Doctor. I want to love him as the Doctor. But Moffat and these writers are just hurting it more and more every week and making it the show less and less likable. This episode, one out of five for me, and I'm done. Alrighty, Dave, it's all on you, man. Well, let me bring Sanity back into the room. Um, well, you see, I'm surprised at myself because I, I'm one of the ones that would be normally banging on about this. Um, you know, the science needs to be there. I grew up with Heinlein and hard science fiction and so on. And on first viewing, uh, I, I did have major, you know, what the heck moments, especially about 23, four minutes in. Let me just address some of the points that uh, Mike's said and not to say that mike is wrong and i'm right i'm just giving a divergent viewpoint uh, as ian said this is turned out to be a bit of a marmite episode marmite and egg no it didn't work but there you go um because um i think that's exactly the point they're doing with the doctor they're, they're they they posed this question the whole season arc if there is a season arc over and above this nether sphere has been the fact of the Doctor's not quite sure. We're not quite sure how the Doctor's memory has been affected, Lara's memory has been affected by this whole new tranche of um, regenerations. We even have a reference to that right early on where the Doctor doesn't even know whether he's, you know, he doesn't even sense whether he's been, you know, it's, this is dot, this is the Doctor unbound, as it were, without a limit to his uh, regenerations. We had, you, you said... Uh, the Doctor doesn't have to take her on these adventures. But in the last three adventures, he's dragged her along. He um, he, he he basically flew them away in the TARDIS this time without consulting them. He said, do you want to be the first girl on the moon? And off they went before Clara could protest. Uh, last time he said, do you, do you want to go and see uh, uh, Fish and Humans? Actually, and I'll, 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 I'm just going to break in here. It was at Clara's insistence that the doctor did that. The doctor didn't want to take Courtney on the adventure. Clara insisted. No, that he did, no, he, he she insisted that he told her that she was important. And he said, well, the only way I can do it is to demonstrate it. How would you okay. like to be the first one? So he did that. Uh, the Dalek story, the doctor came back for her because he needed her. Uh, you know, she was in the middle of teaching and he came back to take her off to the uh, the world where the Daleks soldiers were. So in the last three or four episodes, he's he's basically whisked her off. She's been saying, I can't do it, I'm busy. And then there's been those, when we had that little montage sequence before, where she's doing things, and the Doctor drags her off, and she ends up with seaweed and this, that, and the other. And she's saying, I can't do this anymore. It's the Doctor that keeps insisting she goes with it because he's lonely, and he needs her. And she's trying to have this normality. She's trying to build up this relationship uh, with Danny, she's having a meal with him, a date with him, and a blooming spaceman comes into the uh, restaurant. So she's not, she's the not the one driving the doctor to take her away. The doctor is, is um, you know, implanting himself within her life. And just as he says to her, you know, you won't see me for a while. I'm going undercover. He turns up in her school, didn't he, uh, last week with the caretaker. This week, uh, as I say, let's go back to this story. It, it was definitely a turn left moment. This this is a, a you know a, a game of two halves. It's a, a story that that pivots at that point. And I must admit, on first watching, I I, I was wondering what was happening, and I, I I was you know 
going along with it, but I, I was thinking, well, wh- where are they going with this? And it went from ha- what what was supposed to be hard science fiction to fantasy. And and then you boys quite rightly make the point that um, the sci- the hard science fiction wasn't hard science fiction because the facts seem to be very loosely thrown together without any reference, easy reference that could have been done. But then you've got to say to yourself now, if those hard science things had been really nailed, wouldn't that have actually made the second half even more absurd because you'd have gone from, you know, totally consistent scientific, uh, we're on a space adventure to, you know, the moon is made of green cheese and we're in the, you know, in the land of, um, uh, you know, Gulliver's, Gulliver's travels. We're in the land where you, you know, one opened the egg from the, the, uh, the, the, the sharp end and the others opened the egg from the, 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 the round end. And, and they've gone to war over that. We're into that sort of fantasy league of storytelling. Um, so there's that inconsistency. Uh, let me pick out a few things that because we did talk over it, but we actually, and I think it was Ian's right, we did have a, a great debate, but a lot of things were happening on screen that we didn't reference. I mean, there were some lovely little moments. I mean, uh, when the Doctor first sees these spidery type creatures, uh, which I think they would have been better if those had been like vermin or lice or whatever, rather than this monochromatic, uh, monochrome uh, whatever it was. I mean, the doctor says, um, he's, he's saying to them, he's, you know, they're sensing you by movement, they can't see you. So he says, slowly, slowly, gently, gently. And I'm thinking, what? No softly, softly. That's a joke for the old people who used to watch an old police drama called Softly, Softly. I could hear by the uh, lack of response in the room, these guys didn't get that one. Um, lots of things I like. I love Clara. I thought Clara is absolutely brilliant. Again, I can also see that is both a superlative thing that we have such a great actress portraying such, to me, uh, a uh, a companion that has come firmly into her own. She's no longer the fragmented Clara. We're not sure how much of that uh, she um, she remembers. We do know there's this consistency, this duty of care, this nanny that she's always been in all the different personalities, all the different lifestyles. Uh, she's got this... Um, this uh, motherly instinct. We have this reference to birth. Maybe one of the things that they're building up over a story arc, and this isn't a spoiler, I don't know anything about it, but maybe she's going to leave because she's going to be pregnant. Whether that's the actress pregnant or the character pregnant, I don't know. Maybe both. Uh, maybe they're leading to that. I thought we were leading towards Danny Pink coming aboard the TARDIS. Maybe we're leaning towards Clara leaving the TARDIS um, you know, in in some sort of estranged way with the Doctor. Now, this idea that the Doctor, we're knowing less and less about him, I think that that regression is there on purpose. I think the chess pieces are being put back to the first two lines of the chessboard. In other words, we're going back to uh, an irascible uh, alien that's not slightly confrontational, slightly at odds with his companion and yet still based in school in uh, Cole Hill School. We have uh, maybe one, well, certainly one teacher, maybe two teachers, maybe a child from the school, maybe the unearthly child is Danny. I still am not sure whether Danny is from this time 
zone. Uh, you know, he's talked about having a very bad day. He talked about being a soldier. Uh, I'm not sure whether he was an earthbound soldier and it was an ordinary experience. Maybe he came, he comes from Earth's past, like, uh, you know, Jamie McCrimmon. Maybe he comes from the future. Maybe he comes from, you know, the timeline of the uh, the Dalek story with the, the blues and the pinks as two uh, uh, segments of the army. Uh, what else? I don't think, I think it was extremely well played that the doctor said, you know, this is a human decision. Some people, and apparently uh, when I gave that uh, AI index of um, H2, apparently there is actually a, a bigger breakdown of that. And it was the younger audience that liked it more. And there was actually uh, uh, the the female uh, appreciation index was higher. Now, obviously, that may well be because we, we have on stage, you know, the, it's the women making this choice, even though. And I thought Clara's idea of referencing the world, although a very blunt instrument, was at least better than them carrying the whole weight of the decision just between the three of them. And um, Clara's anger is totally understandable because all the way through she's been tested by the doctor and time and time again she thinks she's proved herself and there again he sets her this thing where like she says i almost made the wrong decision the world's too important for you to throw the whole of humanity's life as a test to me as whether i'm a worthy or not that's not right you're playing with humanity just to see what my reaction would be it's too that the the um what the stake was too high. The stakes were too high. Very, very glad the Netherworld wasn't included in this episode. I like that little quiet moment with Danny at the, uh, the back. But again, I, I will agree that um, his his a very slow burn character. Uh, we've only got 12 episodes in the Christmas one. Mike, I, I entirely agree with Mike's point. There is a very, very slow development. This is episode seven. Uh, next week's episode looks to me as though uh, it may, well, it may be a train wreck. <laughs> Get that in. Maybe a train wreck of an episode, and it may be a great yeah. episode. But I don't think it's going to move the storyline further on. Uh, maybe it's going to be slightly companion-like, maybe more the Doctor, whatever. So I think this was a very pivotal episode. I think it was an important episode. And therefore, I think that's why uh, we have this division. And I'm surprised at myself that I've come down on the side of the people who rate this extremely highly. I know uh, if you go to Bell and Base or some of the other forums, which, by the way, I only ever do well after we've done our reviews and so on. And I only have a brief look. I only went to Gallifrey Base to post our uh, link and have a and vote on their poll there but there's quite a few people that are, are, are writing not just about this episode i just looked at their general views of the the series as a whole and they say you know we're only halfway through the series and i've given five, three five out of fives already are three ten out of tens and we've only had seven episodes um i do think the plot is silly i thought the plot of robot Sherlock was silly um but I do feel as though there was an awful lot of very good things in this. I don't really like children in the TARDIS. I don't think um, they should be you know, a long-term member of it, even though it is a family show and they should obviously be there. I thought this young girl did act uh, a, a good part here. I think it was entirely 
consistent the way she acted as a teenager, which is inconsistent. That's what teenagers do. Remember, we've had some time references in this uh, story where the doctor says, well, that was, you know, that was ages ago. And we had that um, in the caretaker at the beginning of that. We had this sort of um, secret montage thing. So we're not quite sure how long... Uh, you know, Clara's been back teaching. Almost the half the term towards Christmas has gone by, and um, this girl um, has reacted. Uh, she went off the rails because the doctor apparently told her she was not worth anything. The Clara, with her sort of nannying and teaching, um, you know, duty of care things, asked the doctor to do that. He couldn't do it. So the only thing he could do is she wasn't important. Well, the doctor's solution, entirely the doctor's solution. If she isn't important, well, we'll make her important. Then she's important. Then we're all happy. I don't have to lie to her and she's important. So I thought that was really good. And I really did think that the, the doctor turning his back, I don't think he was turning his back on them so much as the audience needed to see that he wasn't lying to them. He really did believe this was a state of flux. It was some decision that he had no part of. I also take the point that it was completely the opposite of the um, Waters of Mars. Now, in the Waters of Mars, remember, they did have a longer episode. I think it was 60 minutes as opposed to 45 here. So they did have more time to give more, you know, invest more time in the crew uh, and you care more about them. This was, in a way, a, uh, you know, a throwaway crew of uh, people in the episode, but they were disposable. I thought Hermione Norris did it very well. She was very straight-laced. She was an iron rod lady that was sent, you know, to blow herself to smithereens along with her two companions with a hundred, you know, atomic bombs, all the bombs from Earth, to actually save the planet. Uh, and she didn't want to be derailed from that. Even when the Doctor said, this is a beautiful creature, how do we kill it? was her first and only thought, her duty. So that regimented her thought process. Um, the silliness again came back, and I, I entirely agree with you guys. I mean, for this thing to have laid an egg that was as big as the egg that it had come from from within didn't make sense. I would have loved the Doctor have taken the TARDIS and gone and found the third mood of Cloma or whatever it was and drag one back. Uh, whether that would have worked, I don't know. The 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 beach that they're on didn't look as though it'd been ravaged by high tides and 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 traumatic tides. Although I do believe somebody said uh, on the Cup and Collective page that when they'd first visited it, the tide was much further out and there was a change in there in the sequence. I thought Lanzarote was a good choice, even though it obviously technically wasn't right. We didn't have this all this dust and things that Perry quite rightly picked out on. But I thought that was as good as you're going to get in Doctor Who. The, the, the sequences with the spiders was great. Pity that the uh, the robot from last week had the similar skittish movement with the legs. Maybe that's why they didn't show the legs so much. I know those legs didn't actually touch the ground, if you watch the extra. But in actual fact, if they'd shown more of the legs last week, that would have made that robot look too much like these very, very frightening creatures in this episode. So, despite myself, and again, I'm usually on the side of hard science, I thought the dilemma that was posed 
was really great and I thought the 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 development, maybe a rift between the companion and the doctor is leading to something going forward. And Clara, I mean, I just can't take my eyes off her when she's on screen. She seems to be to be pitch perfect. Um, and um, maybe that's swaying me because I the, the companions that we've had recently have grown to like, but I didn't like them, you know, straight off the bat. So, uh, wow, I've talked a long time. Uh, and it's not the drink talking here. Um, this is a, a Marmite episode, so I'm repeating myself, so I'm going to stop. I totally understand and see where both these other two guys are coming from, and that is normally what my stance would be. But I was won over by the content. I was won over by the, uh, the, 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 the impassioned speech at the end. And um, same as I was with Gridlock. I didn't particularly like Gridlock on first watch. I thought all these strange people in these strange cars, old ladies knitting and, and cats and things, I didn't like it. But when we had the beautiful speech of the 10th Doctor describing Gallifrey, that scene alone won it for me. In this, I thought that scene with Clara at the end was uh, sublime. And uh, for that, um, if you didn't like this episode, I think that's got a perfectly extendable point of view. I would urge you to watch it through uh, twice or three times. Whether that's a failing of Doctor at the moment or whether it's a sign of these episodes are going to be worth getting on DVD and Blu-ray because they do bear re-watching. I'm going to have a drink now, Ian. Back to you. Alrighty. Well, actually, I have one more question <laughs> that I just remembered as Dave mentioned the moon disintegrating. What happened to the atom bombs? When the moon, when the creature hatched, what happened to those bombs? Well, they, they were detonated. If you remember, when well, where did they, they go? They, Are they just floating? They would have around? burned up in the atmosphere without okay. without a, a, anything to start them off. Like she says, okay. the old man, um, they won't go off until they they are primed. They would have just burnt up in the atmosphere. Okay. Right. There might be some radioactive cloud over somewhere, but. <laughs> Ah, what's a little bit of radioactivity between friends? <laughs> All right, so I like this uh, this commentary. <laughs> All right, everybody, uh, thank you for joining us on this, um, what's turned out to be a very Marmite episode. Uh, and uh, has Dave talking longer than me. So, yeah, that just says something there right there, doesn't it? <laughs> but anyway until next week we'll be talking all over the top of what was it mummy on the orient express yes mm. interesting uh well yeah we'll 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 see you on the orient express then uh so until then it's goodbye from mr randall thor it's goodbye from dave ac it's goodbye from ian the sixth doctor goodbye everybody any soldiers left i've got a bit of egg here still <laughs> you crack me up <laughs> we're just egging dave on here judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.